online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. Uh, lots for you this evening, as you'd expect, uh, with myself and Bob. Ah, a very good evening to you. Yes, we will be reflecting albeit fairly briefly, on uh, the uh, defeats to Queen's Park Rangers and also Stoke City. Uh, Tom Hancock will be joining us as well with some stats and uh, a look over who's been playing uh, particularly well and uh, who's, who's been sticking out in terms of uh, what they've been contributing to the team. Uh, we will be hearing Gareth Ainsworth and his thoughts after both of those games and we will be catching up with a former player, Mark Rogers. And we'll be catching up with G. Grew as well, who is a winner at the uh, Community Bucks, uh, Community Impact Bucks, uh, Women, Women in Charity Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's called. Well, I, don't, I, I must have really lost momentum because I forgot the name of the... Uh, I'm back with it now, though. Yes, that's all Yeah, good. OK. Community well, Impact it, Bucks, it, it, Women in Charity it, it's Awards. It's nice that, you know, that, that somebody associated with Wickham Wanderers has at least picked up a win. <laughs> yes. First bit of silverware of the season. Indeed, yes. Did you get three points or <laughs> did, she, uh, did she get a trophy? <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, all that's come in the next hour as well. Uh, plus, lots more uh, Wickham Wanderers news as well. But uh, uh, we were talking before the show as well uh, about uh, the sort of the, we're into a bit of a numbers numbers chat now, aren't yeah. we? Because uh, the, 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 the points required and the games remaining are, are quite similar. Uh, yes, they are. So, so we need 12 points to get to safety um, and we've only got 11 games left. And yeah, and you begin to think, oh, you know, the, the maths the maths now even isn't looking particularly good and particularly hopeful, really, is it? <laughs> no, I must confess, even even with my optimistic outlook, uh, <laughs> when you put it like that, it's quite stark, isn't it? it was a, Eleven games, twelve points. Yes, and you think, well, yeah, okay, that's four games, and then you look at our goal difference, and you think, oh, okay, well, that you know, that that's really that's another game uh, until we've we've caught up and then we're relying on everybody above us to lose which of course doesn't really happen at this game at time of the season because everyone's desperate to try and avoid the relegation zone uh, and so yeah it begins to look a, a bit grim really uh, and then when I notice that actually the international break is now only uh, sort of like a week on Saturday you do start to think oh actually you know it, it, it will be nice to have that normally I can't stand the international break and I really really dislike it whereas this time I'm certainly going oh good it, it will be nice not to have to worry for a couple of weeks <laughs> and of course we've not seen a goal for a while no that, well, that's true as well and it, you know I, I think the, the thing that was so depressing uh, about sort of like QPR and Stoke as well was was just you know we just need a, a bit of hope we do we just need something positive to cling to at the moment uh you know it, it reminds me slightly of the the opening seven games in the season where we mm. were looking for you know the, for the first goal and then the first point and then the first win and you know thank goodness they all came along uh we're not still waiting for those but you just feel at the minute you know we, we just need something something to go our way does it sound too much of a cliche to say we really, really need to put a little mini run together all of those things, though, and the, you know, and they're cliches because they're true. It, you know, the whole we needed to write a story, we need to put a run together. We do need to do all of those things, um, and and even then, it, you know, it, it's still looking like a, a bit of an impossible task now. Because this would be the, the greatest of all great escapes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and you know, and you keep thinking that, and and that's the thing. And actually, a win would would just mentally 
be so good for for you know for all of us fans players you know club officials because it does make you start to believe that you know maybe maybe the the you know the impossible dream is still on you know i mean goodness me if we could win the next three going into the international break you know and we're playing preston this weekend and clearly we beat them 4-1 in the fa cup uh, doesn't seem that long ago now you know it was a couple of months um, then we've got Barnsley at home. Now, obviously, Barnsley are flying at the minute and doing really, really well. But, you know, we, we said similar things about Reading when they came to visit. Um, and then we're away to Coventry City, um, you know, who are a team who we always seem to struggle against, but are down our end of the table. If we could get nine points from those three games, then suddenly, you know, you go into April thinking, well, it, it's possible. And I think as well, must, what must be a psychological issue, perhaps, is that, you know, when a team scores first and it's not Wickham, you think, oh, I've got to come from behind. And it has been done before, but you, you tend to think it's less likely, don't you, when you're watching? Completely. Uh, and I think, really, for, for the last three games, uh, especially against Watford, uh, as soon as they scored, I sort of thought that that was it. And, you know, really, again, Stoke and, and Queen's Park Rangers, it, it's it's difficult to see us getting back into these games whereas you feel possibly if we are able to get the first goal uh you know we would then adopt all of the tactics that we all know so well that Wick and Wanderers are brilliant at uh to frustrate the opposition and possibly you know we would manage to hang on and and get those three points but as soon as we go a goal down uh and again at this level you know teams are so good at then managing the game to to ensure that actually that they hang on for the win and that that's what we found I think in the last you know definitely in the last three. So let's hear briefly from manager Gareth Ainsworth speaking after uh, the defeat against Stoke. Both teams had their chances, you know, I mean the moments of quality in both boxes, what I've said, are the difference at this level, without a doubt, you know, you get household names, I mean as a Champions League player, winner on the pitch today against us, so you do get these you know, moments and you've got to make them count and Stoke scored from a set play today, we had probably a, this, a similar amount of set plays today and they scored one of theirs. That's one moment that changes a game. And then their first goal, you know, is a, is a good bit of play. But again, we uh, we should be more secure on the edge of our box. You know, we're still fighting hard. The body language at the end in my boys was was superb. You know, even at 2-0 down, we know it's tough. We know that games are running out. But um, some real positive performances from uh, young Anish Mamete, I thought was outstanding again. Admiral Musque, both starting their careers, you know. Excellent. Uh and that's what we do at Wickham. So really proud of the boys as always, and they're never going to give up. That's for certain. Uh, no matter how, you know how how dark this fight seems, we'll never give up, and uh, and I'm proud of that. But um, the pressure probably told. I mean, Stoke are a good side, they're a, a, a big big squad, and uh, and probably underachieving. But um, we're we're definitely not underachieving. We're in the championship, and uh, and that's uh, that's a brilliant league to be in at the moment. We've got uh, you know 12 games to go now. We need to. We need to win 75% of them, which is, is going to be tough. But uh, again, we're never saying it's over till it's over. Great to hear the manager speaking so uh, positively. Uh, Tom also joins us from JJ's Left Foot. Evening, sir. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me again. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. And, and as you say, uh, watching the game against Stoke, you must have felt that you know there were certain players who, who, who did play particularly well and great to see uh, the likes of Admiral get a start and, and Uchi doing well as well. Yeah, I think Musgrave had a uh, he'd had a hamstring problem. Obviously, his usual injuries are kept under wraps. Um, but yeah, he came back in and uh, played in the front two for the first time, really. And uh, yeah, it's nice. That, I mean, he's played a few different roles already. He looks like he's a really versatile player. Um, I hope 
looking beyond this season, we might have a chance of keeping him uh, next season, depending on how he does between now and the end of the season. He's out of contract at Leicester. He's definitely one I'd like to keep hold of if we can, yeah. I think that's going to be a really, really key thing over the summer uh, as to how we then do next season is, is, is who we manage to keep. Um, Admiral, you know, you know yes, has, has been really good. Anis Mometi clearly, you know, it, it, is a player who just looks absolutely wonderful. Um, and I think, you know, he, he's been fun in the championship. I think he'd have lots of fun in League One. <laughs> um, I mean, the feel, I get the feeling we'll probably keep hold of him for another year. certainly hope we do. Um, you know, I think you've got to get him on a long-term deal. And if he lights it up next season, then you get a good fee for him or we bounce back. You know, this is working on the assumption that we go down. No <laughs> yes. one wants to say that, but... No, no, that's... Hearing your chat at the beginning, you know what the situation is. Um, but, yeah, you know, this is... Yeah, this is the place for him to develop... You know what he's like in an attacking sense. He's got that natural flair, that natural talent. Uh, there's work to be done. Sort of, off, you know, his off the ball work, as Gareth mentioned, after the QPR game. But yeah, he'll be a key one to keep, and uh, it will be interesting. I think all bar Mametti, Allsop, Stockdale of the kind of senior players. Feels strange to call Mametti senior, but he's in the first team. Um, they're the only three not contracted beyond this season so far. So um, I think we've made a good start on that. Obviously, bids might come in. You know, you rejected a bid for trade on your dinner from Luton in January. But yeah, I think we've got, we've kind of started the, uh, started early making sure that we've got a squad together for the longer term. And uh, hopefully we can build on it and not just have a massive clear out and start again. I don't think that would happen. No, I think, you know, obviously it's really important. We've heard Gareth speak recently, although he doesn't, you know, obviously like to to say about next season and where we will be, but he has hinted that, you know, if we could be a yo-yo club, if we could, you know, if we are going down, if we could then manage to come back up again, uh, you know, that that is something that, yes, you know, we're, we're maybe we're looking to be one of those clubs. Well, clearly, if we've got any aspiration to, to be like that, Keeping somebody like Anis, Anis is, you know, is absolutely essential for next season. And then I agree, you know, yes, definitely. If the bids come in for him, you know, and who knows, possibly even from a Premier League club for ridiculous amounts of money, then I, I think it will be worth our while cashing in. But I think definitely we, we need him really next season. Um, because yeah, we, you know, we, we obviously we want to do absolutely as best we can. We don't really want to be starting again in the summer looking around for, for players to recruit. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not really been the way, you know, even this summer just gone. Okay, partly that was enforced because of how short a turnaround there was between the playoff final and the start of this season. Also, budget-wise, we, you know, the Kuwigs have preached sustainability since they came in and we were never going to go and, you know, spend money that we don't have uh, with a chance of maybe staying up but potentially risking the lot. And you've got to look at clubs like Rotherham 2017, they went down with the lowest ever championship points total, which we need one more point to beat. <laughs> and, you know, they, they were an awful team that season. When they came straight back up by the playoffs, narrowly went down, then went up again. And now they, yeah, they're looking close to maybe making it stick. We'll see, because they keep having COVID outbreaks. But it, it can be done. Um, Burton, 
survived the first season, went down, were steady in League One. They only really dropped off this season because Nigel um, Clark left in the summer. But uh, yeah, it's doable. We, I think we've got the right structure from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, no one likes to see us lose most weeks. It's not an enjoyable season in that sense. It's been even more frustrating, obviously, being kept away from the ground. But uh, there is a bigger picture here. And uh, hopefully next season is more positive and we can uh, we can start to see that and, uh, yeah, make a, uh, make a fist of um, a promotion push. It, it, that's what I'm hoping for. It, it'd be yeah. nice to be among the favourites, but we'll see, we'll see. Absolutely. I mean, that that will be such an unusual place for us to be as well, because obviously that hasn't happened for, you know, for a very, very long time, you know, if possibly at all mm. whilst we've been in, in the league. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, how, how nice it, it just sounds to even say, you know, oh, yeah, it would be nice to be among the, the, the promotion teams and it'd be nice to be winning, you know, more, more than, than uh, sort of like one or two games and then going on a long losing streak. That, that just, yeah, so, sounds wonderful. It's, it's easier said than done. It'll be a tough league. You've got, I mean, who's in that league at the moment? Hull, Charlton, Portsmouth, Ipswich, Sunderland, Peterborough. Uh, you know, the other day only three are going to come up. You've got yeah. probably Sheffield Wednesday, potentially, London City maybe coming down. It's going to, you know, it's, it's a tough league, but... Uh, really tough league in that all of those teams that you you talk about you you do naturally think actually you know they don't really belong in league one and i know you know you can have this ridiculous no. argument about well who who does who doesn't but they i suppose what i mean by that is that they are teams that eventually are going to to get out of of that division um and if you happen to be in with them in a season where say sunderland and ipswich you know both, both go on amazing runs then clearly you're you know you're really just looking at, at coming up via the, the promotion places, which obviously is a bit of a lottery. Yeah, and I mean, clubs like that will still be able to outspend us. You know, they're, they're massive clubs. Being in the third tier doesn't change that. We're obviously we'll be in a better financial position than we would have been had we stayed in League One. We've baked in the TV money. I think it's around £8 million. Um, we've not, you know, we've not gone spending loads of money on players. I'm not saying we're going to go and have a massive spending spree in the summer, but in theory, we'll be able to shop in a higher market than we were before. And, you know, we know what Ainsworth can do when he's only got peanuts to spend. So hopefully, with a bit more money, um, we can make ourselves competitive. And uh, I wouldn't want to go into the season thinking, right, it's top two or else. But the idea, I think, will be to challenge for the top six, I mean, Pete Kuwig spoke last season pretty openly about being prepared to yo-yo. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the messages that are coming out at the moment as well from the club are that that is the intention. And longer term, we do want to try and establish ourselves in the championship. I yep, don't see absolutely. why that shouldn't be the aim. That 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 is exactly what you know what what we hope the aim is. Um, we are obviously still in the championship at the moment. On Tuesday night, uh, we visited uh, Queens Park Rangers, where we went down one nil to an Ilias chair goal. Uh, and afterwards, Gareth spoke to Matt Cecil. 
Gareth, not the return you would have liked to QPR, both in an empty stadium and an ending in defeat, but you're proud of your team's efforts tonight? Yeah, of course, you know, always, uh, like I said to the boys, we keep plugging away, we keep learning every week, you know, we're learning a lot. I thought we learned a lot tonight about two different ways of playing. We played first half, I thought we got on the ball really well, caused them problems. Second half, bringing on the heavier artillery, you know, again, caused them problems. I think the shot count, the final third entries, entries in the box are all in our favour but I think mistakes are probably in our favour as well and, and that's the difference. I keep saying, you know, you can't make mistakes at this level. Their first goal, or the only goal, is uh, is too soft for me to concede and once we do that, then QPR can shut up shop second half. You know, if it's nil-nil at home, they're probably thinking we're still going for it but one nil up with what we had on the pitch at the end there, you know, Mark's a, a clever guy and he, he, he really shut the shop up and uh, brought Jeff Cameron on who... who just took all the space in that uh, in that attacking third, and but you can do that when you go one 0 up, uh, and that's the difference. We've got to make sure that we can get the first goal in games, uh, make our opportunities count. But again, effort's great, performance levels. I'm just so proud of the boys. You know, we uh, we are performing at the best we can perform, and at this level, it's just coming up short. Um, can't ask any more but we'll go again Saturday. Is that hurting the morale in the team? Obviously, that's four defeats in a row and no goals, no matter what you try and what the boys are trying at the moment, it's just not coming off at the moment, yeah, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things. You know, we've got uh, we've got goal scorers in the team. We know that. Um, you know, we've got the record league goal scorer. Um, we've got Uchi, who's, who's firing. We've got Scott Kashka, who, who can find goals. But at the moment, we're just shy of that, you know, and uh, we're not testing the keeper enough. Anis Mamete had a, a rasping strike, and uh, I think we've had a couple of close calls today. But, I mean, keep your hit the post as well. I think it was offside there, second chance. But we do need to get the first goal, and then we can take control of games. It's so important at this level. But quality players are important at this level as well. And, and like I say, naming Jeff Cameron coming on, you know, ex-Premier League player to show things up with a real a real matureness um, I've got a team of youngsters learning their trade but I'm so proud of them and uh, whatever happens well, this level is fantastic to be at we want to stay here we want to come back here whichever one it is but we're learning plenty while we're here A few years ago you took Eberichi Eze on loan from QPR and he's blossomed into the Premier League in Anis Mameti you've got another player who's really lighting up this Wickham team and getting a lot of admirers Yeah I mean it's fantastic on the ball needs to learn a little bit off the ball um, and he's in no better place to learn that but um, you know I've got um, I've got a a team, a squad that I could praise, not just one player. He'll do really well, man. He's got a great career ahead of him. But some of the boys out there tonight have seasoned pros, playing in the championship. Really proud of them. Hopefully we can get another win soon. Tom, one of the things that we've obviously spoken about is is players staying. I, I think another thing that we also probably need to hope for is that Mark Warburton continues to be at QPR because obviously um, Gareth has has got you know uh, a lot of love for Queens Park Rangers, and I always feel that if he was going to go anywhere, probably QPR or maybe Reading, which I think is close to where he actually does live, um, that they're, they're they're the two li- most likely options. Well, I think the thing this season, rightly or wrongly, the how we um, might have actually done us a favour and uh, entered his spot somewhat. I think it was here. It, it was at its highest last season when Sunderland and Millwall and Lincoln were all having a look. But uh, yeah, I don't know. QPR are actually relatively sensible and relatively patient with managers. So it was a point probably when we played them at Adams Park where it looked like Warburton might go, but he's really turned it around and. Uh, I mean, yeah, for the last few years, they've kind of been 
cutting costs and trying to balance the books after dropping out the Premier League because their wage bill was absolutely colossal when they came down. Uh, but they're going to go on to better and better things. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he keeps doing a good job. And Reading, well, you know, potentially in with a shot of promotion this season as well. So at, at the moment, Blackburn would be the one I'd worry about, potentially. But uh, I, I think, I think, touch wood, we'll be okay. And uh, he won't go, I mean, unless it's absolutely the right opportunity. Um yeah, I think we're I think we're we're okay for the moment. I hope I'm not as yeah, worried as I was a couple of years ago, where everyone everyone did seem to think he might be off. Yeah, I, you know, I think we just have to keep keep our fingers crossed. And again, I agree about Blackburn. I think that's probably, uh, you know, he, he'll go there one day, uh, hopefully not at the moment. Uh, and obviously, you know, he seems to be very settled, sort of like where, where he is, um, you know, sort of like living-wise. Um, but but yes, you know, I, I think those, those three clubs are all a possibility. And so let's hope that they continue to do well, uh, you know. And, and luckily, yes, they all are at the moment. Um, Tom, uh, as always, thank you very much for joining us. It's been absolutely brilliant having you on. No worries, thanks for that. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust award winner G. Grew. Uh, that's on the way. But first, as we continue our chat to former Wanderers players, uh, it's been 20 years since uh, that uh, fantastic FA Cup semi-final with Keith Ryan scoring that goal against Liverpool at uh, Villa Park. Uh, someone who was a member, uh, not of that team on that day, but certainly of that team uh, in that cup run and also scored, of course, against Grimsby. Uh, Mark Rogers, who we've been speaking to from Canada, uh, started off a bit about chatting with him uh, about, obviously, his time at the club, playing under Laurie Sanchez, but started off about how he came to be a Wickham Wanderers player. Yeah, it's going back. I, I mean, after all those heading the ball and concussions, it's not as easy to remember anymore. But uh, in the late 90s, my brother and I had had the opportunity to and had been approached by somebody locally here in Vancouver, where I am, uh, with you know the proposition and the sort of they put it in our head about the possibility of going over to England and giving it a try. Uh, this gentleman's name was Alan Churchyard and um, had close connections with Paul Sturrock and Alan Ball. Uh, two names that I'm sure your listeners would know and uh, and remember. So we had the opportunity to come over there. And unfortunately, my brother hurt himself while we were training to get ready for that. And they were both on preseason. So a gentleman, friend of my wife's family, actually, we're staying with my wife's family in West London, uh, approached and said, hey, listen, would he be interested in going to Wickham Wanderers to train for a week? It'll help him get ready for the English game, et cetera. And I, I leapt at that because... Um, it was, you know, obviously a big, you, you watch it on the television here all the time, but it's still until you're actually out there on the pitch or seeing, you know, how they interact, it's it's largely an unknown for a kid from Tuas in British Columbia. So went out there, I still remember I had to go to a place called Rent-A-Dent and rent uh, probably the dodgiest car I've ever driven and uh, learn on the fly, driving on the other side of the road. And I just drove myself to Wickham. Um, and I showed up at Adams Park, and I still remember the first time I saw Adams Park. You know, I'm showing up to play at then, you know, League One. It was called Division Two back then. And I remember thinking to myself, well, they'll be playing in like a small little, you know, like a park almost, right? And I pull up at Adams Park. I'm like, wow, nice ground. You know, it's beautiful. 
And uh, I thought, okay, this is going to be fun. So we were training at RF Halt, and I spent a week there, and um, it went well. And I, you know, I think my my type of the type of football I played played, and I think it suited the English game quite a bit, especially at that time. And you know, direct more direct football. Um, I was fairly athletic, so I could uh, compete with people on that from an athletic standpoint. Definitely raw in my understanding of the game, and you know, maybe not as technically gifted as some of the other players, but I definitely felt like I could keep up and compete. And so, at the end of the week, Neil Smiley, the manager at that time, asked me if I'd want to participate in a preseason game away at Chesham. And I, you know, I still remember going, "Okay, Chesham, where's Chesham?" and uh brought out sort of the league table i'm like well these guys are like three divisions below us or whatever and uh i thought to myself if you know in vancouver if you're th- there are three divisions below you in the local amateur leagues it's going to be a double double digit scoreline you know so we uh we went out there and i was on the bench and i could not believe how quick the game was how good the Cheshire players were in relation to the Wickham players, like the standard of play. And that's, that's kind of when the penny started to really drop from a reality standpoint, how many good players there are on that Island. You know, it's just the depth of quality and talent was something that uh, I wasn't as familiar with. And uh, I, I loved it. I just thought it was, you know, the culture and how the game is absorbed over in England was just fantastic. It was the first thing I fell in love with. And I came on with 20 minutes left. I think the score was tied, and I set up a goal to Danny Bowman. I played in the middle of the park, actually, center mid in that game, which I know a lot of uh, fans will think back and probably laugh about. But um, we won the game. Neil Smiley asked me to stick around and asked if I'd like to stick around. And I thought, well, I've got I put a week of work in. I've got one foot in the door here. I've made an impression, a positive one. Why would I look to go anywhere else? And so I, the, my other trials were at St. Johnston, where Paul Sturrock was, and Allen Ball at Portsmouth. And so I decided to stay with Wickham, and I was there for seven years, six or seven years. So it was a fantastic experience. And I guess you couldn't have imagined as well how, well, first of all, how long you'd have spent at the club, but also how a popular you became with the fans, and also what a great group of players that you, you were associated with at, at that time. Oh, fantastic guys. You know, uh, yeah, it, as far as the fans go, I think, you know, being a somebody that wasn't English or Scottish, Irish, Welsh, somebody of maybe was just a bit different for them. Um, I think they probably appreciated my, my heart, the, how hard I worked, maybe not so much my distribution. And I think what really helped me is the Independent Supporters Club sponsored me at that stage. And I got to know them, you know, and they were so great to me. They they looked after, you know, my wife would go with them on um, the supporters coach. They really looked after her. They made us feel welcome and part of the community and the club. And and they taught us a bit about it. Like they would tell us about, you know, the Middlesbrough game from the 70s in the FA Cup. And and I started to learn a little bit more about not just the town, but the, the connection uh, the club had with the town. So, they started that, and it really helped uh, from an adjustment standpoint. But then once once you get into the dressing room, you start looking and getting to know guys like Keith Ryan, who I could not hold in high, more high regard, club guys like Jason Cousins, Davey Carroll. These are guys that, you know, just were part of the fabric of that place. And so what I tried to do is I just use them as guidance. I'd ask them questions, but also just kind of 
copy what they were doing because uh, the day-to-day ritual of what they're doing. Now, maybe not some of the horse betting. I didn't copy that. I thought <laughs> I'd, uh, I, I, you know, as you're playing at Wickham, you're not making millions of dollars. I thought I, what I did make, I'd try and keep in my pocket. Uh, but we did, uh, we had some great times. And the thing that came across to me with that group was they, they had such a great personality in that group and a commitment to one another. And when they trained and played, it was like a light switch going off and it was so combat competitive, so combative um, expectations that once Laurie Sanchez had come in uh, changed and much higher. And um, it became like a very good environment for competition. And I think that especially in one-off games where we definitely adopted that underdog mentality, you know, the FA cup run being the prime example we really thrived on that and we were a very difficult team to play against. So yes, uh, you know, to circle back to your question, that group of guys, fantastic, you know, Paul McCarthy's of the world, you know, Jamie Bates, Martin Taylor, best goalkeeper I ever played with Sean divine up front. There's some really, really good players, Michael Simpson, Danny Bowman. Yeah. I could go on and on. Uh, I'm sure you get asked all the time about the, the cup run, but it was, it's strange to think that it's 20 years ago now. But it, it, every game in that, in that, especially obviously going to the semi-final, which unfortunately you, you were injured, but so many of those games just just stand out with such great memories. Oh yeah, and it's been fun because you know the, I'm on Twitter and I, you know, when uh, Wickham releases a video or somebody, hey, it was 20 years ago today, it catches you off guard a little bit because you're like, wow, that's 20 years. But then like on the Zoom call, I, I'm actually see my face on the screen. And it, I look every bit 20 years old. It looks 20 <laughs> years on my face for sure. Uh, but yeah, from a memory standpoint, it seems like yesterday. And some of those moments, you don't realize at the time how, how long they're going to live with you, you know, and the legacy you created within the club and how fond uh, the, the fans are at looking back and remembering those moments. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, the resilience in that group, you know, how many replays we went through, I think two or three. I think Millwall, Grimsby, and Wimbledon all went to a, a replay during that. And then to play Leicester, beat them away. And, of course, to lose against Liverpool, but in a very respectable fashion, if there is such a thing when you lose, um, it just was – it. well, it was the moment for me of a, as a footballer outside of – you know, and I still put this above playing for my country, playing for my country being the next big thing. But it, those are the two peak moments in my soccer playing career. And you must have been so proud to have a key contribution as well in, in scoring against Grimsby. Yeah, I'd been playing quite regularly um, since Matty Lawrence had left. Uh, and he left a big, it was an, I think Laurie liked the type of player I was, but saw an opportunity to get me some minutes because we had quite established and experienced center backs in the team. Jason Cousin, Jamie Bates, Paul McCarthy. And I think he wanted to get me minutes and get me more groomed. He saw me more as a center back, but. Could, I could do the job at right back and, you know, def- certainly from a defensive standpoint and the, the expectations on a full back aren't, you know, I, I certainly wasn't Trent Alexander-Arnold, let's just say that. But uh, from a defensive standpoint, I could uh, do the job and playing beside those type of guys in that run, you develop a bit of confidence and yeah, you know, all the way up to the Grimsby game and, you know, Martin Lee swings a beautiful cross in on a corner and I mean, it was just it was just there to be headed into the goal. So, yeah, one of my f- favorite moments as a personally is, you know, that run, but especially that goal, because it kind of that goal put us in a position where it's like we're going to go through now. And the realization, 
at the final whistle was, wait a minute, that's the furthest Wickham had been at that stage in an FA Cup was getting to the fourth round. And, you know, you've seen the pictures in the dressing room after, and there was a palpable sense of accomplishment there for sure. And I know when we spoke to you in July as well, we were talking about, you know, what it's like to play under Laurie Sanchez, and he actually gave you the belief that you could actually go on and win the competition. Yeah, I mean, he was a no-nonsense guy, tough. You look at the guy and you remember the up- upset against Liverpool that he had, um, um, and by him scoring the winning goal, uh, uncompromising, you know, which suited me. He used to say quite frequently, look, if I have to talk to you, my my way of giving you motivation or talking to you about your, if you're doing well is to offer you a new contract. If I have to do much more than that, then you're in the wrong place. He held very high standards. I think it oozed into the players and it became part of kind of our ethos. Um, I'm sure the fans and that team, one of our primary goals was to get into the championship. And uh, we f- we fell short on that. But I think the season where we we started to lag a bit in the league in 2001, and I think it was largely because of that FA Cup run, we played so many extra games and we had so many injuries, especially uh, up front. You know, Sean Devine had a serious injury. Andy Rammel had come in and out, but um, was a force up front for us. You know, Andy Baird. So, we, you know, we were really thin in attack, so much so that, as you recall, Keith Ryan was playing up front in those key FA Cup games towards the end. So, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was just a fantastic time to be there. I wouldn't have chose anything else or anything different. You mentioned another highlight as well, getting to represent your country. And obviously, Wickham haven't had too many internationals. It must be a great source of pride to, to be one of those. Yeah, it's funny. Again, it's, um, you know, because Wickham coming out of the uh, out of non-league, I became their first full international. Now, albeit Canada isn't doesn't have the same footballing heritage as many other countries. But being a Canadian, it was a great sense of pride for me personally. And I know, you know, the club took a sense of pride, you know, kind of felt that it was part of their natural progression as they became a long-term football league side was to have that and to be the first one. And now when I go back with uh, my wife and my kids and visit friends and family over there, you know, it, you know, it is nice to walk by that board and see that. And, you know, over the years as I I visited, you know, there'd be, then I I remember Jermaine Easter playing for Wales and, and there'd be other players. And now the, the list gets longer and longer as time goes on. And to be the first one is definitely a sense of pride and, it's nice to leave a bit of legacy there with that. But uh, definitely the most proud I was as a Wickham Wanderer was, was that FA Cup run. That was fantastic. And something which must have brought that back again was, was this year, getting to play against Tottenham as well in, in the competition. It really sort of reinvigorated those feelings of, like you say, 20 years ago. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I got a chance to bring Sam, my son, back for the game at White Hart Lane. And the big reason was, one, I mean, they're playing a big side, but White Hart Lane was going to be torn down. I wanted him to see that, the history of that place. And, you know, we we stood with the fans uh, about seven rows up behind the goal. And uh, what a game. And, it, you know, I know it'll be something that lingers in my son's mind, although, you know, he was quite young at that stage. Um, but getting Tottenham again in the same round, um, albeit at Adams Park this time, was great. And I think just what's left it with the pandemic, Colin, is... Um, is that, you know, we're all so proud of the achievements of the club, what they've accomplished since, you know, being one game away uh, from going out of the football league to where they are now. But 
I think it's tinged with a lot of disappointment from my perspective because, as I mentioned earlier, that connection with the fans is very real with me. And um, uh, I know that it's been very, it's hurt and been very painful for them not to be able to go to these matches in such a special year. And that includes the Tottenham match, you know, to get Tottenham in that round. Um, must have been nice to start at the third round, you know, which is a novelty for us. But uh, it'll definitely be tinged with disappointment, knowing that they have. For me, it's just a, it's a shame that they haven't had a chance to be at the ground. I know they were there were a few thousand allowed in earlier in the season, but with frequency that you know the match day environment and the whole experience is quite special. And uh, you know, I think well, you know, everybody's in the same boat, so it's understandable. But it's just the timing could have been better. Uh, as far as you know, some of the things that Wickham have, co- have accomplished over the last year, year and a half. You can't help thinking, watching the Spurs game especially, and you think this would be incredible if, if that was the, the stadium was full and, and there have been so many other uh, championship games as well, which it, it does seem so cruel, as you say, in, in, in this sort of first time in the championship. And another anniversary which has recently passed is, is 12 months since the, the Kuigs took over, and, and you can see that it's not a coincidence that, that Wickham's success has coincided with that. Yeah, I've had an opportunity to get to know Pete fairly well. We've been in touch periodically throughout this last year. What I can say is, you know, he's extremely enthusiastic uh, about Wickham Wanderers and and their success and passionate about making it happen. He's positive, infectious. I'm, I'm sure the people that are around him at the club feel that energy. And they've definitely generated a ton of excitement and injected that into the club. I mean, getting promoted and that game at Oxford, it's another great memory for the fans, uh, or sorry, against Oxford at Wembley. And so uh, you, you look at the the impact the Coags have had in such a short period of time and it's, it's real. And they've been dealing, basically walked in the door the day the pandemic started. I mean, here we are in Canada and we're set, we're not, we're observing a day today because it's a it, it's a year today that the pandemic started and if it's also the anniversary of the coigs uh coming walking through the door they've walked into an extremely difficult scenario and still kept positivity gotten them promoted um with gareth obviously and uh so i think they're despite their league table position right now uh, you know the most important thing now is to you have to know where you've been to know where you're going and if you think back to, in, you know, just a few years ago where they were a game away from going out of the league to what's happened between then and now with a, you know, a, a heartbreaking loss against South End at Wembley in a promotion game, then getting promoted, solidifying in, in, in League One to a playoff victory against, you know, a local uh, rival in Oxford United to playing in the championship. I think it overwhelmingly positive the direction this club is going. And I think it's important to remember that when you're in a difficult scenario against clubs that have more um, backing at this stage and have been solidified in that league, so they have a playing squad that is familiar with it, uh, to Wickham having next to no off-season to prepare, to sign players. They've, they've done their best to sign players, but it takes time, as you know, Colin, to adjust to a new culture, new scenario, new setting for new players. And um, I think, yes, it's been a difficult season for Wickham, but as a Wickham supporter myself, there is no diminished sense of pride in what the club is doing or um, is fighting for. 
Uh, I hold on a, a little bit of hope as far as staying up, but it, it's diminishing. But with that in mind, I, when I think about the club, it's nothing but positive things. That's definitely a message that comes across, isn't it? The positivity when you hear the manager speak, and as you say, the, the, the Rob and, and Pete as well, and, and that's bound to rub off onto the supporters too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's understandable when you turn on Twitter uh, to see then it's, you know that there's you know frustration, some disappointment. But all I can say is, yeah, it, that's understandable. Nobody wants to see their side losing or in that league position. But at the same time, like I said, Wickham have a very unique culture and philosophy that takes time for people to buy into because it's probably a little bit foreign and different to some of the players they've signed and. It doesn't just happen overnight, and it it's going to be a thing that, you know, they tried their best to sign players to keep in this division. Like I said, it's, it's becoming challenging now, but I guarantee you those guys down at the club won't have given up hope. They'll continue to fight, and then it's on the players to be a reflection of the fans when they're out on the pitch, show how much how hunger, how hungry they are to stay in the league or to compete at that level of play. And I think that's really my takeaway from my time with that club is really the bottom line for any Wickham supporter or any supporter of a British club is the the fans really want to see players that are are a reflection of how they feel about the club themselves. And if the the players are given their all and sincerely, because really there's nowhere to hide when you're out there, the fans are very much more uh, patient and appreciative. And uh, I think that's what the, 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 the players are fighting for now I know they're probably exhausted by this part of the the season, but they have to just keep putting their head head down and remember that they're representing the club and those values. And uh, if they do that, I'm sure they'll they'll hold their heads up high at the end of the season, and then the and Wickham will prepare and continue to move forward. Oh, it's been great to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time, and obviously all the best to you and uh, your family. Hope you all, all stay well and uh, and uh, things improve in Canada as well. Thanks, Colin. Great talking to you. All the best to everybody over there. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderers show. Fantastic to hear from uh, Mark Rogers. We spoke to him in July before uh, the birth of the Wickham Wanderers show, uh, talking to him about the, the <laughs> what, a, what an occasion that was. Uh, the, <laughs> were you there for the birth of the Wickham Wanderers show? I was, it was, we, we haven't had much sleep since then. <laughs> but we, we were talking to him then about you know how fantastic it was for, for Wickham to get promotion, and it seems like such a long time ago, July now, doesn't it? It really does, um, and, and you know, in football terms, it isn't really, um, considering that actually, normally, you know, the season would have ended in May. Um, but yes, it, it does. It does now feel like actually, this season has gone on quite a long time. And we meant to ask him about whether when he came over and he seemed to adopt the nickname of Ted Rogers, or whether he'd have known who Ted Rogers was. I imagine not. Um, and Bob's done some research. Yeah, <laughs> done I, some research. I was wondering. Did, you know, did they have three, two, one in Canada? Um, you know, was it was it was it a bit like say Millionaire, where it was exported all over the world? Um, but no, apparently not. Um, <laughs> it started off in Spain, so we we copied the Spanish um, game show called Undos Tres. Um, uh, uh, but but other than that, it didn't seem to go very far. If you if you wonder what happens during the ad breaks, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. We are listening to the ads as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you might have We're heard. Also thinking about three, two, one. <laughs> you might have heard as well. Uh, it was International Women's Day on Monday, 
and uh, a great opportunity to celebrate uh, the achievements of women and Community Impact Bucks uh, local charity launched their inaugural Women in Charity Awards and one of the winners was G Grew who is from the Wickham Wanderers Sport and Education Trust uh, she's been doing some great uh, health work and uh, we've been speaking to her to find out a bit more about what's involved even some of my friends still aren't sure of what we do um, so I think it's been a great way to sort of catapult the work we are doing and sort of make people realise it's not all about sport all the time. Because I guess as well, it's really important that the club does have this charity arm, if you like, and is, is able to do such great work in the community as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we probably deal with quite a few of the fans. Um, obviously, a lot of the children, they come to our sessions and end up going to games and sort of like falling in love with football. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely sort of quite intertwined with the club. And we do get out there in the community and do our bit. And obviously health is a real part of your remit, if you like. Give us some examples of, of some of the work that you've done and people that you've supported as well. So I think the biggest project that I've worked on whilst being with the Trust is a project called Keep Moving Forward. And that is to help people on their mental health recovery journey. And we have different little bits that are involved in that, such as yoga, um, Indian clubs. We do wellbeing walks, which we've done throughout the pandemic sort of as we can and that's pretty much for anyone that that wants a bit of extra support um we've had a project called doorsteppers that started for covid um to help with the isolation side of it and it's normally me i will come and visit you on your doorstep sort of keeping the distance and stuff and we'll have a good chat for an hour or so just about whatever so there's that out there and i'm currently doing some online fitness sessions that hopefully will move back into person soon um, to help people stay active during all of this as well. And you're obviously so passionate about, you know, the great effect sport and obviously specifically football can have on, on mental health as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's always been a big part of my life, sort of having football, sport and all that sort of stuff and how it's helped with my mental health. So I'm very lucky to be in a position where I can use the club badge to go out there and sort of help other people with their mental health through sport and activity and things like that. And there are great examples as well of where you've reached out and, and helped people and really sort of been a, a shoulder, if you like, for them, at, at really low points for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's bound to happen when you are working within mental health and supporting people that you will come across people that do need a bit of extra support um, or you do have to have hard phone calls. And obviously I've been able to do that due to like experience and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I'd like to, I don't want to sound big headed, but I'd like to think I've helped um, the people that I work with. It's difficult, isn't it, when you win an award, you don't want to say, oh, I'm great. But on the other hand, <laughs> on the other hand, it's really fantastic to be able to highlight the work that you do that as we sort of touched on at the end, people might not even quite realise it actually goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is the thing, like, I don't do my job and I don't go and help people to have the thank yous and to win things and to get all this recognition. I do it because that's the type of person I am and I want to be able to help people um so to obviously get this award and they actually some of the participants made a little video with thank you notes that they were all holding up and oh my gosh I'm so glad that it wasn't done in person because I had half a cookie in my mouth I started crying my eyes out because obviously you don't expect to get thank yous when you're not looking for it so it was so lovely. Note to self, <laughs> no matter what it is in the future, whether I'm recording or not, don't have half cookie mouth. I'm just so glad it wasn't on Zoom because that would not have been pretty. <laughs> It must be really nice as well. For, I know um, Sam at the Trust, she nominated you, and, and that must be great to, to be able to know that you've got that kind of recognition for what you've done. 
it's definitely helped me in like my professional growth and just in general to have such a supportive team like everyone at Wickham Wanderers Sports and Education Trust we are all sort of always pushing each other to get the best and all this sort of stuff so the fact that Sam went out of her way to sort of nominate me and like make a secret video and like I had no idea I was even nominated until I won um I got told that I had to go because it was like a um, networking event so she kept it all quiet like everyone did and it's just lovely it's such a great atmosphere there um it definitely helps with getting out in the community when you've got such a strong team behind you and it must really kind of drive you forward to want to do even more as well yeah definitely like they're all such positive forces and I think getting this recognition and knowing that the work we do is good just makes me and I'm sure the others feel the same it makes you want to do more um, and help more and engage with more so yeah it's definitely a good driving force. And hopefully really inspirational as well for other people to see that the work that you've done and obviously you're only young yourself and it's really nice that you can dedicate your kind of work and, and time to these people and these causes. Yeah, like I really hope that at least one person has sort of seen this and realised that you can keep pushing through because obviously I've got mental health experiences myself um, and I'm in a position now where I can help other people with that and I hope that it does make someone else realise that you can literally achieve anything. It doesn't matter about how low you've been or how high you've been. As long as you keep pushing forward, that's sort of the message I want to send out through working in the community. So what's sort of next for you? Have you got any other upcoming projects as well that you're especially pleased with and looking forward to carrying out? So actually, I've just managed, I think it was earlier on this week, actually, I managed to secure some funding for a project that I've been chasing for for probably about a year now. And the project is called Get Active, and it's a physical activity project for people living with disabilities over the age of 18. And I'm hoping the first session of that will be running in July in person. So I'm super excited to get that going um, because I know there's not a lot of different services offered to do with that in Wickham at the moment. And then, yeah, I'm just looking forward to sort of being ready to support everyone when we come out of lockdown and get as many people signed up to keep moving forward as I can and all that sort of stuff because the support's there. And I'm just excited to get people over to it. And it must be really uh, exciting and obviously challenging as well for you to be working in this area or at such a difficult time with the, with the pandemic, but being able to use you know, your skills and what's on offer to be able to help people at this time. There's such a range of different emotions and struggles and experiences flying around, depending on who you are. I've been very fortunate to be able to work through this and to be there to support people. And obviously it's been tough for me as well. So I've had to constantly make sure I'm learning and like I understand what's going on and that I'm always coming out with a positive foot. So I am that supportive person for everyone. Um, and it has been tough, but there is light at the end of the tunnel now, which is so exciting and I can't wait. And you must have been so pleased to be part of the awards as well, especially on International Women's Day. I'm very much a women support women type of person. And I was just so excited to see some familiar faces sort of being commended for awards or winning them so obviously when I saw myself it was a big shock that I was part of that group of women and I've been recognised as part of that um so yeah it was lovely great to chat to uh, G and also to learn from her as well we've learned uh, today that if you are going to an award ceremony of any type or might be shortlisted for an award don't have half a cookie in your mouth at the same time no uh, and I I love 
the whole image that that conjures up and i do sort of assume that even if you are taking part in a virtual award ceremony you should really sort of like dress up and you know you'd be ready absolutely you know at the crucial moment you wouldn't actually be eating a cookie at the time (laughs) no i think it's because she genuinely didn't know that she'd won so i think that's that's so much nicer isn't it yes you know that's so much more genuine than you know than award ceremonies where it's all set up and obviously the person has won um, can I take you back for a moment um, to Saturday's game? And I know that we're sort of not talking too much about the, the previous games. No. Um, but, uh, yes, though, uh, no, please do. Uh, indeed. It was very nice um, of uh, Matt Cecil, who was doing the commentary um, of Stoke against Wickham. Um, and, and he mentioned Wickham Sound, which is very kind of him. Welcome back then to the Bet365 Stadium for second half coverage of Stoke City versus Wickham Wanderers. Score is nil-nil at half-time. Big shout out and a thank you to Wickham Sound, most notably to Chris Phillips and to Bob Johnson for the loan of our commentary equipment. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, the BBC, who have uh, been covering our games and providing the iFollow coverage for many years, uh, are unable to travel to away games outside of their region. So uh, it fell to us as the club to provide the iFollow feed, and we're grateful for uh, Bob and Chris and the Wickham Sound team for the loan of their equipment. Grateful for Bob. There we go. We're, you can have that. <laughs> Big shout out to Matt. Hello. <laughs> That's quite all right, Matt. Uh, it, it's it's nice to know that our ISDN kit is going to the games, even if we're not. Yes, and the number five is performing well. Uh, yeah, yeah, indeed, yes, because we did have that problem earlier on in the season where, yes, uh, they had to dial a number and the, the number five button, unfortunately, wasn't working that particular day and the number that they needed to dial had lots of fives in it. Have we got time Sorry. for a, a note, notice board section of the show? Oh, uh, very quickly, yes. Um, so uh, currently, um, there is a uh, uh, shirt that is being um, auctioned off uh, for the trust. Um, it is uh, a must-have memento. So it says here from the historic 2019-2020 campaign uh, was presented to Cherry Red Records managing director Adam Valeso as part of the record label sponsorship deal. Uh, the auction currently um, runs until 10 p.m. Uh, on Saturday, the 13th of March also includes another dozen items as well proceeds will all go to the wickham wanderers trust um if you basically go onto the wickham wanderers website you will find out more information about it uh it is being hosted on the fantastically named jumblebee website uh and if you want the actual address uh it's jumblebee.co.uk forward slash wwfc trust auction i thought must have memento was a former player uh that that would be good actually yes he was quite good must have memento he did score some goals (laughs) we could do with him back at the minute Yes. Uh, Preston next, of course. Indeed, yes. Uh, visiting Adams Park for the second time this year. Um, let, let's hope it was the same result as it was back in January uh, when things seemed so rosy and we were looking forward to a couple of what we hoped were winnable games. Uh, and then, of course, the whole COVID thing happened that we didn't actually play again until Spurs visited Adams Park. And in some ways you slightly feel we've never quite recovered. Because we've spoken before, that Preston game seemed to be, like it should have been, uh, such a springboard. It was, and exactly like you said earlier on, sort of, you know, the, the, the mini run that we feel like we needed to go on, you thought maybe that was the beginning of that, um, because after it we had QPR and then we had Sheffield Wednesday, uh, and, you know, they definitely at the time looked like even more winnable games because both teams were in terrible form, uh, but of course neither of them happened because there was a COVID outbreak that we had, there was a COVID outbreak in Sheffield Wednesday's um, camp, and yeah, as I say, you know, after the Spurs game, we then had the Brentford 7-2 and we never really seem to have recovered. But let's hope we can have a similar result uh, beating Preston on Saturday. 